This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We are 71 days away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is With the First Pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 12. I'm CBS Sports Draft Analyst Ryan Wilson, and I'm joined by our general manager, Rick Spielman, who has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings general manager. It's Mock Draft Thursday, which means we'll take a look at my latest mock draft, and I'll see what Rick likes. I imagine that'll be a short conversation. And what he doesn't like, I imagine that'll be a long conversation. We'll also hit on some just good football players, our post-senior bowl edition. And by the way, with the 2022 season now in the books, we're expanding the show to two days a week. Going forward, join us Monday and Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern for even more NFL draft coverage. You can always watch us live on the NFL on CBS YouTube channel, or you can get the audio version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a draft question for me or Rick, or a suggestion for Rick's picks, drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know. We'll answer them on an upcoming mailbag episode. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at NFL Draft CBS. And if you like the podcast and you're watching on YouTube, give us a little thumbs up there. All right, Rick, let's get to it. How are you feeling, by the way? People in the comments are wondering if you've recovered from uh, the end of last podcast on, on Tuesday when you were, I think you coughed up a lung. Yeah, no, I got all choked up over the uh, podcast. I was so emotionally tied into it. I just couldn't finish it. It's kind of like, but I am in the recovery mode and uh, ready to roll again for uh, another very informative with the first pick. How many sick days did you take in 10 years as a general manager? Never, none. All right, glad to hear it. I don't yep. know if I believe that, but uh, I, I, I'll give you the, the benefit. <laughs> Knowing you, I, I very easily believe that you took zero sick days. How many days were you sick? Uh, never, none. Never get sick. There's no room for – what they say, there's no crying in baseball. There's no sick days in the NFL. Uh, quickly before we get going on my latest mock draft, did, did you know Tom Coughlin well? I knew Tom, yes. So there was a story probably 15 or 20 years ago where he was so intense – like he would come to a drawbridge, and pe- typically people get out of the car and stretch their legs. And, and the story goes, he had both hands at 10 and 2 on the steering wheel, stare straight ahead for 15 straight minutes because he did not want to get off course, off path. You're a very regimented guy. Does that sound like something Tom Coughlin would do? Very, yes. Yeah. And no sunglasses <laughs> at practice and make sure you have uh, no uh, footies on underneath your shoes at practice either. It was very regimented, very uniformed, I would say, would be the best way to describe it. You'll be surprised to learn that Tom Clough, Coughlin found Pete Prisco to be a huge thorn in his side when Pete was covered him in Jacksonville. Wow, that that's shocking. 
All right. Also shocking. My latest mock draft came out and you have some, uh, some things you liked about it. So let's start at the top with the things that, that warms your heart about my latest mock draft. And there are some things that are worth discussing and we will certainly get to that, but let's start at the top. I didn't do any trades in this mock draft just because there's going to be plenty of time for trades. And I've done some previously that you and Pete and Brady Quinn picked apart last week at the Super Bowl. Uh, but we'll get to that. We'll cross that Tom Coughlin bridge when we get to it in, in future weeks, but let's start with the second overall pick. The Texans are on the board. I had them taking Bryce young, who you compare to Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes, which makes our buddy Pete Persco very angry. Mahomes style. Please get it right. Cause Pete is just screws everything up. He doesn't <laughs> listen half the time, but All yeah, right, so you're old school. If the number two overall pick, I mean, even, uh, Ryan Wilson can get this one right. <laughs> so let me no, explain to me. No brainer. So you're you're old school. You don't like your quarterbacks to be 5'10", less than 190 pounds. So once again, sell us, sell Texas fans on Bryce Young. Because I think he has enough unique ability to be the exception to the rule. I understand the size limits, but he plays a lot bigger than his size. He has excellent anticipation skills. He's got great movement in the pocket, a natural feel for the pocket. He is an anticipatory thrower, which means he throws the ball a lot of times to a spot before the receiver gets open. And sometimes we even refer that to as throwing the receiver open. So if he's in a man coverage situation and, and let's say he's running a, a seven route or a flag route uh, where he's going up 10 yards and maybe breaking it off at a 45 degree angle, heading towards the flag or the corner. Uh, he can throw it. If he sees that there's a safety coming over the top, he will actually underthrow him a little bit and guide him more towards the sidelines. And that's what we refer to as throwing a guy open. That's just one example. And I think he has a unique ability to do that. And the thing that still fascinates me, and I can't understand how he sees through all the offensive linemen and how well, he sees downfield with his vision on guys open. Um, it's just he's just, I think, a unique, unique prospect. And nope. if, yeah, if he wasn't whatever he's going to be, I don't even want to curse him on what I think his measurables will be. Uh, but let's say he was a Trevor Lawrence size or something like that. Yeah. This would be a generational type quarterback. So let me ask you this. When the owner comes to you and says, I'm nervous about taking a small quarterback, what does the general manager say to that? Because it's one thing for me rando media guy to say Bryce Young should go as QB one. It's another thing when you have to answer to an owner who is paying millions, tens of millions of dollars in this investment. Yeah. Well, you're going to tell them all the positives. You're going to tell them all the late negatives. Usually ownership is always going to refer in the will family that I worked with, who I have the utmost respect for always referred to the people who had that area of expertise with the coaching, with this, with the personnel, everything like that. They would ask questions like you just proposed. We would tell them what we were thinking and why we were thinking and why we think this was the right person to pick. Okay, before we move on to uh, another pick that you absolutely loved, I want to mention this quickly. Our, our colleague Jason Lockerford tweeted this out earlier in the week. During He said during Senior Bowl week, he talked to more than one general manager who thought that Justin Fields might be traded. Now, that's interesting for a couple of reasons. Justin Fields just finished year two. He showed some progress, but obviously he was injured because he took a lot of hits. Also, the Bears have the first overall pick, uh, by the way, that the final uh, week 18 played out for both them and the Texans. Just, you know, you being Rick's Bill and media guy now, but also based on all, all your 30 years of experience, 
would you want to move on from Justin Fields not knowing what's behind door number two? No, because you don't know what you're getting behind door number two unless you have that stronger conviction uh, if one of these quarterbacks are Peyton Manning or one of these quarterbacks. But if you look, look at, did everyone know that Josh Josh Allen was going to be Josh Allen three years from now? Did anyone know that if Patrick Mahomes was playing like Patrick Mahomes, he would have been the first pick off the board? So you don't know, uh, but you do know what you have in your building. And if you believe that, he is your guy, and if you can build pieces around him, then that's going to give you an opportunity for your team to have success and for, for Fields to have success. But if you trade him, okay, and he goes on and plays very well somewhere else, then you're going to be – and your guy that you picked number one overall doesn't play that same level, you're probably going to be uh, – Working at CBS Sports at, HQ? CBS Sports <laughs> HQ. <laughs> Okay. Well, also the other issue is that you're not able to trade down, which I think you agree. That's the your primary focus. If you had the number one overall pick, you can't get the offensive lineman. You can't build around Justin Fields. Now you've gotten rid of Justin Fields. Maybe you get something in return and won't be commiserate. But then you have to get that rookie quarterback that you're talking and, about. And if you do that, then who you? What are you doing to help that rookie quarterback? You right. did nothing to help Justin Fields last year. I mean, exactly they had one receiver that he had. I mean, they traded late for Chase Claypool that ended up getting injured and. Uh, you know, they got a couple pretty good running backs, but other than that, can you name anyone on that roster that you would say, God, I would love to have this guy on our roster. All right. One last thing about Justin Fields. He said on uh pardon my take the podcast um, a few days ago that he doesn't like playing in cold weather and he wants Chicago to build a dome. If you're in the front office in Chicago and you hear that from your quarterback who grew up in Georgia, but played uh, at Ohio state where it's not warm, are you like, okay, whatever, that's just a 24-year-old spouting off? Or are you reading more into that? Do you do you call him and ask him, or, or how do you how do you handle that? Yeah, no, you just sit there, and it's more um, having some PR savvy on what right. you're actually saying. Sure, I mean, every kicker, every punter, every quarterback would love to play it in a dome, but <laughs> there is no question that he has enough arm talent, he has all the physical skills to play in an outdoor stadium like that, and that can be a huge competitive advantage as well uh, when you play in an outdoor stadium. Like Green Bay, I think, has a huge competitive advantage. Yeah. Buffalo has a huge competitive advantage. So, And not to, to digress here a little bit, but I don't know if a – and I'm, I'm saying this as a Bryce Young would be as successful if he was in one of those environments rather than in – Houston and their dome stadium and playing in the uh, South. Yeah, no, and that's a fair concern. I would imagine you talk about analytics all the time. That's something that goes into your, your, your big computer machine from the fifties. Like that, you have the whole room dedicated to computers to determine whether a player fits your system or not. Part of that is probably, um, you know, he grew, he's a California kid. Bryce Young is he obviously played in Alabama and, and maybe that's something that you have to consider playing outdoors in green Bay or Chicago or Buffalo when, when you're taking a quarterback. All right. The other quarterback, that uh, the other pick that you loved, go down to number 11, the Titans, who have all sorts of needs, could include quarterback, by the way. But I have them taking Paris Johnson Jr., the left tackle out of Ohio State, who has, as you like to say, position flexibility if you need that. Why do you like this pick? I liked it because I think he may be uh, the purest left tackle. I mean, he played right guard in 2021. 
He went out there. He got better every week that you watched him on tape this year at Ohio State. He has more than enough athletic skill set to play outside at the left tackle position. I don't know if he'll be a pro bowler, but I think he'll be a solid starter. I think if he went to the Titans, he'd be a day one starter. You got Lawan, who they can probably and more likely are going to cut and save over $14 million in cap space. He's only played 20 games, I think, in the last three years. So it's a desperate need. Um, and where you're picking, because I don't believe there's an offensive tackle that's a top 10. Uh, but where you're picking, I think you're getting great value. And the other question I would ask Tennessee is that, you know, I think uh, Skaronsky from Northwestern is the best overall offensive lineman. The question is, can he play left tackle? We don't know his official arm length yet. We'll know that in a couple of weeks at the combine. But if you're satisfied with the arm length, would you go to, because you didn't have Skaronsky off the board yet, I believe. This was the first offensive lineman you had uh, coming off your pick. So if you think um, the Northwestern kid, Saransky, cannot play left tackle, then you go with the left tackle. But I do think uh, Saransky is a better football player. Well, I have Saransky going 12th to the Texans. So yeah. they're they're neck and neck. And I do like Skaronsky better as well. We'll see what happens with the arm length. When I talk to scouts, they say you, you, you prove you can play until you prove you can't play if you want to put him at left tackle and you see. Rashawn Slater went to Northwestern. Rashawn Slater had short arms. Rashawn Slater was a better athlete. But what were your, did you have any concerns about Rashawn Slater playing left tackle coming out? No, we talked about the arm length too, uh, but we didn't have concerns about it. We really liked uh, Slater when he came out. Um, who was the left tackle up in New England? Had short arms. Had a Matt very- Light. Matt Light had a, a very productive career. I think he was out of Purdue when he came out, if, I'm, if I recall. I think that's right. So there are some guys that, they, um, you know, it's been kind of a bust, but uh, New England took a short arm left tackle out of Georgia a couple of years ago. That's been hurt a lot. Um, uh, when? When, yeah. So there are guys that can go out there and play, and I think Skaronsky's athletic enough to play left tackle, but some guys – and. Some of these offensive line coaches are going to get so hung up on arm length that they uh, may pass a better football player up just because of not, which I think is ridiculous. But that's that's some of the ways that, that go. But I do know one of the stats that our analytics people came up with: if you have a left tackle that has less than thirty-three inch arm length, and let's say he runs a four or a five. Point three or slower in a 40-yard dash, that the time there were six guys taken in the first couple rounds with those critical measurements, and none of them, none of them ever lived up to where they were drafted. Interesting. And 5-3 doesn't mean anything on the surface because linemen aren't running sprints, but there's some correlation with some there's other athletic. Correlation with all the other athletic uh, measurements that they put into place. So one of the other things I want to talk to you about as we go through this this mock draft stuff to to break up you ripping on me is there are four teams with with two picks in round one and we just talked about the Texans taking Bryce Young which you liked and then Peter Skaronsky at twelve. You've had situations where you had two picks. What do you think about in particular the Texans doubling up on offense, getting the playmaker and the quarterback, and then protecting the the quarterback with someone like Skaronsky who can might have position versatility. Yeah, I would look at that, but I'd also look at, I think it may be, I think Skaronsky's better, and I'm a big fan of his, better than any receiver that you may take there. Yeah. 
if you're not concerned um, about the arm length, um, but you also may want to look. They don't have any weapons, really. If I don't know what they're going to do with Cook. Um, but if you're going to get a young quarterback, you want to make sure that you have enough weapons around him as well. But you gotta you gotta look at the depth of the draft too. So let's say they go they go with Skaronsky, which I think would be a a, a good pick. Um, and they don't have any other skill guys ahead of him because they're gonna say, well, we can swing back where we're picking in the second round or third round and get a couple potential receivers that we really like to help out, but you want to make sure you got enough help to develop with the uh, young quarterback, some, some skill guys around them, because we saw that Justin Fields had mm. really no skill guys around him last year. Debo informs me that you had multiple first round picks four times. Wow. I bet what you didn't do is take a historically small quarterback and then a, a tackle with short arms. And then, you know, cause that's one of the things that you also, I would imagine, depending on the owner have to explain. Right, because you're not taking Dewan Jones and Trevor Lawrence. You're taking Bryce Young and Peter Skaronsky. Yes, yeah, but but again, those are very good football players, and I think they're going to be very successful in the NFL. You just can't have a team with 53 exceptions to the rule, if that makes sense. No, I get it. So Texas Hog asks in the YouTube comments, Rick, why would the Texans take a left tackle with Laramie Tunsil still on the team? Well. I didn't make the pick. You did. So that's. <laughs> so you would throw your director of college scouting under the bus when that question came up. I got it. Yeah, I would. I, I would. But I, I think, think what, one of the answers is, is that. Play guard and then right. the other question is how long uh, or he can play right tackle or. Right. You know, uh, um, you know, what's the, going to be the situation with a new regime coming in? Are they going to keep Tunsil or they're not going to keep. So when you got a whole new regime, you're looking at everything from A to Z, and there may be uh, a lot of changes coming down in, uh, in in Houston. I think that's right. I think the the uh, the idea that Skaronsky could kick inside if you needed him to, and then perhaps he moves outside and year two or year three, he gives you that option where some of the other offensive tackles are, are strictly tackles, and then you have to go from there. All right, that's two down. The third one that you liked. And you you are not alone in this opinion that this this young man could probably go higher than I have him going. Pick nineteen, the Tampa Bay. That's a dollar bet, guarantee you. He'll go before the Bucks pick, so put that on the list. Write it down, Debo. Christian Gonzalez, cornerback out of Oregon, goes before pick nineteen, Tampa Bay or otherwise. All right, Christian Gonzalez to me is Kyrie Elam. Kyrie Elam went to the bottom of the first round, so you sell me on why he's better than Kyrie Elam and deserves to go. Because how you think he is more physical than. than your Florida flash there that Fair played enough. okay up in Buffalo, but this guy at least will come up and run support. He's a little bit more complete than when I saw Elam last year. Um, they have to go corner. There's not going to be a quarterback there. They got a mess at quarterback right now. Well, they, they have a mess cause they don't have one, Yeah, uh, but they got to get that solved. But I don't think any of the four quarterbacks will fall that far. Um, they do have uh, Dean Edwards, Murphy Bunning. They have a lot of guys coming up in free agency. They do need to, to get a corner, and I think the corner is pretty uh, thick. Uh, I can't it's too hard to right now to start separating them, but there's five or six corners that could potentially go in the first round or first and top of the second round. I think that'll sort itself out as we go through this pre-draft process. Uh, but I think Gonzalez would be an excellent value pick there if he fell that far, which he won't do. But if I was Jason Light, <laughs> I'd be high-fiving up and down if I got Gonzalez at uh, 
where you got him going. At night. So, do you want to say who your CB one is? Or is it too early in the process for that? I think there's. I, I like him. I like Porter. Yeah. Um, I like Witherspoon. Uh, I just think this. It's right now. Everybody has them in these clusters or these bunches that are kind of like okay. Once we get through this process, let's see how they start separating themselves. Is it interview? Is it some of the athletic numbers that we do? Is it anything medical? Do we dig anything extra up from a character standpoint that may uh, put a little uh, nick in the armor, which I think all these kids are good kids. Uh, But it'll be interesting how these guys end up sorting themselves out as we go through this pre-draft process. Yeah. The ones that I love to sort down are if any of these prospects decide not to do anything at the combine and they are healthy. But that's a whole nother discussion. That's Will Levis going in the seventh round. You heard it here first from Rick Spielman. <laughs> Although, Rick, you did mention this at the Senior Bowl, and this is something we'll do post-combine. So, Debo, make a note in case I forget. We're going to do a little clusters podcast where, Debo, where uh, Rick wants to cluster all these guys together and then make the cornerbacks group into smaller groups based on size and measurables and go from there. We won't get a chance to interview them other than when we talk to them on the set, but uh, that'll be the next step in the evolution of the, uh, the Rick Spielman experiment uh, 2023 draft podcast version. Um, but I want to ask you about Christian Gonzalez. Is there anything else? Oh, here's what I want to ask you. So when you were sitting in the room and, and you were preparing for the draft as general manager, and I would imagine you would sit there for a couple hours and you would go through the top cornerbacks. And I would imagine like you do with some of your guys that I've seen you witness in person, you would fall in love with a guy and then you would see another guy and fall in love with that guy. How are you able to sort out? Is this sort of the clustering conversation? You, you have to be able to take a step back and, and see what the right. big picture looks like, or is it like, I love the way that Joey Porter jr. I love his physicality. He's more physical than Christian Gonzalez. So he gets, you know, he, he in my mind, and we know that you're not the ultimate, you're, you're making decision as a group, but in your mind, maybe he gets a, a, a foot ahead of, of Christian. Yeah, I think um, he's another, I think, one of the top corners in this draft. And what we used to do is everybody has their, uh, the way they grade, they like certain things. Some guys like physicality. Some guys like get fall in love with athleticism. Everybody has their ways that they grade players. Um, so when we're, that's why we put them in the clusters. These five guys are probably going to go in the top of the draft. And then we would sit there and group study him. Why do you see, why did Mm. you have him number one? Why did you have him number one? Why did I have this other guy number one? And then we'd bring the coaches in and have them group study with us. And then it comes down to, okay, we like this guy X better because what we're going to ask the corner to do in our scheme, this guy is going to be able to do it. Where I understand the value and this guy played good, but he might not be an ideal scheme fit. So that's why we would take this guy ahead of this guy, not discrediting him either as football players, but you always try to marry up guys that were close together with, then that's when the coaches became a big part of our process. Tell me out of these guys, which guy do you think is best fit for us? And then we kind of shuffle the deck a little bit uh, at the end there after those cluster studies and which guy would fit best for our scheme. That's why you come to with the first pick podcast to hear Rick give us some insights that uh, no one else can give you. All right, Rick, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk about the picks that Rick absolutely hated. So stick around for that. 
From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! All right, Rick. Let's start at the top. Pick number 10. I had the Eagles, who are desperately in need of wide receiver help because they only have A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard taking Jordan Addison. Is that desperate receiver help? I just, I can't. What's so desperate about that? If I went into an organization, <laughs> hey, I know we got with this guy, Devontae Smith, and we traded a first round pick for AJ Brown. We paid him a hundred gazillion dollars, but, you know, I feel bad for you coming into this situation in our receiver room. And by the way, Goddard's not a bad tight end, but I understand no. we have no weapons for Hurst. So thank you. You agree. So yeah. listen, I, I explained to you when we had our little call earlier today that I, I do one of these once a week so i have to mix it up weekly as stipulated by my contract and there are other needs here the eagles i should mention also picked 30 they had him picking cam smith the cornerback out of south carolina but explain to me why this is a stupid <laughs> stupid pick of 10 i probably won't even push back on it do you, do you honestly think this is a good pick yeah like I I, mean, just let's be honest with each other and this is what this podcast is about just honest we're having an open dialogue like we're in a draft room and what conclusion besides <laughs> spending another first round pick money on a, and you already have a first round receiver and you traded for a first round for another receiver. You gave eight gazillion dollars to why not just throw another first round money into a already uh, very expensive receiver room. Yeah. I, so I couldn't get that. Here's I, the thing. I tried. I really did. Here, here's my pushback. So, and again, this is a flimsy argument, but I'm going to make it. Quez Watkins is, he's a free agent. Quez Watkins dropped a touchdown in that Super Bowl. Hit him right in the hands. A great throw from Philly. Now, is that reason to spend a first-round pick, a top-ten pick on a wide receiver? Not necessarily. But after uh, A.J. And, and Devonta, there isn't depth at wide receiver. You have Ivy, the the return kid, uh, the, the, the return man out of Iowa, rookie who, who is good as a returner, but you don't have much depth. And also, Jordan Addison, not only is electric, he offers something in the return game. So you, you have that as well. And my guy, Joey Porter, was already off the board at eight. So I don't – would you take Christian Gonzalez at 10? I, I would consider him, yes. Okay. Would, yeah. So that's my flimsy argument. You can rebut it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't – if you believe that, and again, this, this is TV, so I guess you have to act like you believe it. But <laughs> anyone with uh, – even Debo, our producer, would know that you don't spend that – and he's a Philly fan, by the he way. He's a Philly fan. Yeah, Ryan, I support this pick. Yeah. <laughs> after, after watching, after watching that Super Bowl drop from Quez Watkins, that could have been a game changer. I support this pick. There you go. What do you think of that? What do you think of that, Rick? Yeah, it's like me in the draft room trying to argue with everybody else that they're wrong and I'm right again. <laughs> hey, but let me ask you, so seriously about that. Like, does something like that? Does something like that linger as no. an evaluator? Like we got screwed. We should be should have been in this playoff game, this Super Bowl game. If we only had the player make that play, that doesn't ever cross your mind. No, because that's just one play. I mean, but that that was the difference between winning and losing. I understand that, but what okay. did the kid do the whole other year? But I'm not going to spend another you know eighty million dollars <laughs> in the receiver room for three guys. Uh, I'm going to make sure that I get my quarterback taken care of first. And then I have to get corners because you have – who do you got coming up? You have uh, Bradbury, who was only on a one-year deal. 
Yep. You, you, you traded for uh, uh, Gardner Chauncey, Johnson, uh, who's yep. another one that you want to try to get done. So in order, I can't sign both of these guys. I know that. Plus, if you look at the uh, defensive line, you got Hargrave up, you got Cox up, you got your rentals that will probably not be back, and Sue and uh, Linville Joseph. So you're going to need someone up front. And I don't think when I looked at this that there was an interior defensive lineman worthy of getting picked there. No. Now, Jalen Carter, I would, you know, turn that card in within 2.5 seconds and move on in life. But that isn't going to happen. So I'm going to go with the you corner here because Damn. the corners are going to come flying off. And, okay. and I would have taken, since you already took Porter, who I love Porter, Yep, I would have taken Gonzalez. That would have been my pick. Okay. And then at 30, you have another pick if you're the Eagles. So what are you thinking at 30 if you're Philadelphia? And let's say you take a corner at 10. What other needs you talk about? Still too early for Ika, the the huge 340, 340-pound defensive lineman out of Baylor? Or at that point, is it worth considering? Well, how many nose tackles are you going to have on there? They, they uh, drafted Davis last year, right? Yeah. And, well, I was saying Jalen Carter plus Jordan Davis. Good heavens. Yeah. So um, I, I would kind of – when you get down there in the in that late, you're going to see how what's left on your board and how you, you developed your board. And usually you're going to try to have three or four names um, that you're saying have equal ability at their position. Uh, but what position of need can we fill with one of these three or four names? And then you go down that route. So I don't know if the Baylor kid, uh, uh, is it Ika? Yeah, Ika, I think. Ika. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is there probably there? Or maybe add another pass rusher because I think there'll be some good pass rushers down in that area. Um, you know, I don't know if since you want to try to have one of those little receivers as a slot guy, because I think, uh, you know, Flowers or uh, Josh Downs would potentially be down, yeah. there, you know. So you're going to have a lot of very good football players down there at the 30th. I don't think you're going to have the same quality of corner. I would try to go get the corner first, and then let's see how the rest of the board falls off. All right, let me put this hypothetical to you. We know Howie Roseman likes to move up and down the old draft board. They have 10 and 30 in first round, as I mentioned. Let's say they were able to work their way into the – to say they get the the 14th and the 22nd or something like that, Do trade down magic and trade up magic. How do you feel about Christian Gonzalez and Brian Branch as your two first-round picks? That would be a heck of a – well, now you got two – secondary guys, right? Right. One plays safety, you know, plays in the slot. Yeah. That- I, I don't know. You still want to try to get some other needs filled. They've got, I don't okay. know how many, how many guys they have over 20 unrestricted free, free agents. If I recall coming up, they have a lot of, a lot of free agents coming up. Yeah. Chauncey Gardner, Johnson, Marcus Epps are the safeties that are going to be free agents. They have a ton of defensive linemen, as you mentioned. You got to try to get, unless one of them pass rushers falls, because I don't know, Graham's getting up there in age, too. Yeah. You know, and Quinn didn't do much for him, even though they traded for him. So yep. you can right. use another pass rusher. You can do, definitely do some interior defensive linemen. Diva, how do you feel about a cornerback and a safety? Is that is that too boring for you? I, I like it a lot. I would go cornerback and defensive line, if, if I'm no. being honest. Just sucking up to Rick. I got it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> 
All right, Rick, this one you may hate even more. Maybe not. Well, you can tell us whether you hate the, the 15th pick. And we talked about uh, this young man on, on the previous podcast this week, a guy that is probably viewed higher in the league's eyes than, than draft media folks. But that's okay. That happens. The Packers at 15, Lucas Van Ness, who's you know a defensive lineman, let's call him. He's currently 275. He'll probably – he can add 15 pounds if you want. You think he's more interior defensive lineman than, than five technique. What's your issue with this pick? I think he could be a five technique. I'm just, oh, okay. yeah, I don't have any issues with the, I just started watching him. I think he, um, he plays hard. Um, he's long. Uh, he's a little tight athletically, but he, he plays with a great motor. I think, as you mentioned in the last podcast, he wasn't even a starter. He was in a rotation. I think he has a ways to go. I just didn't see this. I think they had other needs. So, Tell us the needs so I can laugh at the needs that you're about to mention. Okay. Well, I under, I think it's receiver, <laughs> but I understand receiver and their history says no. That Brian Gutekes is not going to take a receiver no matter if his life depended on it or not. So that's but they got Lazard up, they got Cobb up, they got Tanya, the the uh the Tanyan, the uh tight end up, all gonna come free agents. Uh, they drafted last year uh, Devontae Wyatt to supposedly play that similar type role. They also went defense with the linebacker last year as well. Um, so I'm going to say if Rodgers isn't there, and let's say Jordan Love is their quarterback, that they may look at – now if you had Johnston off the board, I think you had. You had Addison off the board right yep. before their pick. So does Smith and Jigba come into play there? He's still um, on the board if you want him. Yeah, or does uh, maybe Mayer, the tight end, come into play there? I don't uh, hate Mayer there. And let me ask you this, because this was a talking point. You and I discussed this at the Senior Bowl, that some teams like Musgrave, Don, Don, Dalton Kincaid is probably, uh, he played better because he wasn't injured, but he has an injury history. He's a little older. Would you take Musgrave who doesn't block over, uh, over Mayer? Well, that's the first thing I'm asking the uh, offensive coordinator. You know, if we take Musgrave, this guy is long, he's athletic, he can run his hands. Again, we're a little rusty, in my opinion, down at the yeah. senior bowl, had more drops than I anticipated. But he's going to be, he's a, what do you want to call him, a modern-day NFL-type tight end that can create mismatches. Um does that help you more than maybe taking a receiver? And if we like some of these receivers that will be there in the second round, I don't know that a mayor will be there in the first. Uh, or do you think you anticipating Musgrave? Could you get him in a second? So when you're in there, you're talking about, well, yeah, Smith and Jigba, we will have no way of seeing him as of today. Now, if he runs four six, you probably will see him yeah. in the second round. Uh, Musgrave, because he didn't play this year, neither did Njigba, Smith Njigba. Um, but who do we have a better chance of circling around and getting in a second round? And then look at all your depth at that position. But I think they went so heavy on defense last year that I think they have to go uh, offense in, in the, uh, in, uh, in the, with their first pick. So you mentioned Smith and Jigba. He only played three games, only had five catches, the hamstring issues. We've talked about that on the podcast. How much weight, if any, does someone like Garrett Wilson, who said last week on HQ um, that Smith and Jigba was the best wide receiver on that team in 2021 when he led the team in receiving with Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Marvin Harrison Jr. Does that have any weight at all? Because I know the teams 
I had teams tell me that they asked uh, Jalen Waddle straight up, and it was later reported, so it's no mystery that they that he preferred Mac to Tua at Alabama. And I would imagine that carries some weight. Would that carry any weight if Garrett Wilson said to you, Smith and Jig was legit, even if he ran a four six? Yeah, was it Garrett Wilson? Did did Stroud say Ninjigba too? Smith and Jigba? Yeah, we asked Stroud about it after the fact, I believe. Yeah, no, he's a he's a very good productive uh, receiver, you know. And their receiver, if Lazard doesn't come back and Cobb doesn't come back, they got Dobbs, who they drafted last year, and the um, Christian Watson. Christian Watson, but who else do they have? So, um, and they may say, okay, we've never taken one. We're not going to take a receiver regardless. Let's just take whatever is available on the board. But I just can't see him going defense when they need some offensive health, especially if Rodgers is gone and they're going to grow with love or go with love and then let him grow with these young receivers. Yeah, I, I like the mayor pick, actually. I, I don't have any issue with that. I'll ask you a fun fact and we'll move on. Who was the last receiver the Packers drafted in the first round? And if you don't know, I'll give you the year. Uh, I don't know. 2002. Wow. I'll, I'll give you the college. Okay. Florida State. I don't know. I'm, that one stumped me. Javon Walker. Oh, the fast guy. It's been 21 years since they drafted a wide receiver in the first round. All right. Is that, so you want to bet a dollar that they do a receiver there or no? You want the over or under? Take I'll take the no if you're willing to take the yes. I'll take the yes. All right, put it's it down, Debo. I'm already up. I think we're tied. I already won one bet. You won one bet. I won Michael Wilson over Xavier Hutchinson. You won Cody Malk over Blake Freeland. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. What, what bet did you win? Michael Wilson over Xavier Hutchinson when they get drafted. He gets drafted first. You haven't won that yet. I have a good feeling about it. <laughs> Don't be like collecting money before it even came to... <laughs> Uh, out i mean it's uh <laughs> all right we'll see so we have i think we have four bets now and i'm looking forward to winning i'm gonna lose one dollar i think cody max a, a lock but you're not willing to say it yet all right the last one that you absolutely detested maybe more than any of the others pick 22 baltimore ravens don't have a quarterback they got needs up and down the roster hopefully they bring lamar back because that would be silly not to i have them taking B. John Robinson running back out of Texas. Okay, let me preface this. <laughs> this is not the player. The player is an excellent football player. No, that's right. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm looking at the position. And why in the heck would the Ravens <laughs> waste a pick? Not on the Robinson because he's going to be a very good player, but on that position. Look at their receivers, okay? The only receiver they have is Bateman. And he missed, I think, eight or nine games this year with a foot injury. They can go corner. Peters is coming up, and he's 30 years old, and he's also injury prone. They're going to have to probably – Lamar is not going anywhere. They're going to franchise Lamar. Uh, and then that's whether he'll show up or not. But I think they got to go corner receiver first, which is their two biggest needs. You know, and then I looked at your mock here. You had Addison to Philly, Johnston to New England, Smith and Jigba to Seattle, right? Mm -hmm. And then your corners, you had Porter to Atlanta, Witherspoon to Washington, Gonzalez to Tampa. Yep. So that leaves Ringo and Cam Smith. Right. I don't think there's any other receivers on the board that I would take there. And then 
they have a history of really liking big corners. They've always taken big corners. So I could see them going in one of the direction, one of these two corners. Uh, and don't forget about Banks either from Maryland. I haven't done him yet, but I heard a lot of good things about him out there. And I think he's going to be a, a, a climber here as we go through this draft process. But they have to go after one of these guys before they would have to go running back. I had Banks going 18 to the Lions. I, I like Banks a lot, and I'll be interested to see what you think. Um, he he fits the description of big cornerback as well. So we'll see where he actually ends up. So here, here's the follow-up, and we've talked about this. Bijan's probably a top-10 player, but he plays a position that's been undervalued. And let's say he's on the board at 22, and the, and the Ravens decide to go Keely Ringo, and no one would certainly fault that because, as you point out, that's a huge need. And Keely Ringo is a you know get-off-the-bus guy. So here the I'm going to go down the list of, of the teams currently picking 23 to 31, and you tell me where Bijan's going to end up going. The Vikings at 23. No. Jaguars. Nope. Giants. If Barkley's gone, I would say that's a that would be a possibility. But if not, he's then no way. It doesn't make sense, right? So the Cowboys are next. No. Bills. Potentially. Okay. Bengals. Uh no. Saints. Potentially. Okay. And then the Eagles and Chiefs. Maybe Chiefs. Maybe, you know, Eagles, Debo would uh, go off his rocker if they took a running back. Well, they have guys that are up. I think Miles is up. Miles is up, and he's probably gone. Yeah, I could see that there. I think anywhere from any possibility. Okay. Because there's someone that's going to say he's just too good not to take at this part in the draft in the first round. We just let's go. Just I had a situation, uh, and we were in the top 10, different error. Uh, where running backs were valued a lot more, but we had Chester Taylor coming off a thousand yard season in uh, my first draft. You know, everybody didn't think we needed a runner, and, and Adrian Peterson was just too good to pass up. Yeah, that sounds a lot like the Ravens. Chester Taylor played for the Ravens, by the way. There's your connection. Yep, there it is. All right. <laughs> but I'll I think the it- another dollar that Bijan Robinson does not end up being a Baltimore Raven. Yeah, I'm not taking that bet. You got to give me a dollar lock. Uh, but it, I think it is interesting that you came up with four teams potentially in the bottom half of the first round, Bill Saints, Eagles, and maybe Chiefs that that could be landing spots. And if I mean, like the Eagles or Chiefs feels almost unfair to have Bijan on that roster, but that's one of the, and we talked about this all last week. We talked about it before the way those teams built their rosters. They did a fantastic job, especially the Chiefs, of having to pay the quarterback, and they have so much success with the rookie class that you can go out and, and perhaps. Roll the dice. Although, do you, would you have any hesitation if you're Brett Veach or, or um, Andy Reid about taking Bijan a few years after taking Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the first round? Well, yeah, he was kind of a bust. But then they say, well, I would. They may be saying, well, hell, we 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 found Pacheco in the seventh round, which means why can't right. we find another running back down the later that's you know like a Pacheco? And we had we drafted actually uh, McKinnon in Minnesota when I was there. He was a quarter quarterback, and then uh, we drafted him and converted him to a running back. So, again, there's just been – and I think it's a pretty deep running back class. I think you can yeah. get value on Friday. There's going to be a lot of good running backs on Saturday. Like I said, the player is a first-round talent, maybe a top-ten talent. But will teams just say, 
I, I'm just not going to do it. I don't care if he's, you know, who he is. I'm not going to take him in the first round just because we're not going to take him running back there. All right, here's a bet. That's, that's a regret, too. Yep. Here's a bet, and I don't know which side I want to be on. I'm trying to be on the winning side, but I'm trying to do the math here. Oh, you're does over B- four right now, but go ahead. <laughs> does does Bijan Robinson go in the first round? Oh, that's I'll take a dollar bet that, that he does, yes. All right, put that on the board, Debo. I'll say no just to take more of Rick's money, but um, give me a percentage that, that you think he goes in the first round. Oh, me? Yeah, like 70% or higher? No, I'm 85%. Oh, geez. All right, well, I just lost a dollar. That's true. All right, finally, I just want to ask you, uh, we talked about the Texans having two picks. We talked about the Eagles having two picks. The Seahawks also have two selections. I have them taken Jalen Carter at five, and then at 20, I have them taken uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. They have other, I mean, you could go defense, defense, and I've done that in previous mock drafts. But if you're John Schneider and, and Pete Carroll, are you continuing to build a defense after if you happen to get Jalen Carter at five? Are you thinking about helping out Geno Smith? What are you thinking with the 20th pick? Yeah, that's kind of... Uh... It, again, you have to see. There's, we're right now. It's it's kind of unfair. I mean, I understand we have to do this from a media perspective, <laughs> but until you get the full picture of what happens in free agency, yeah, until you get the picture of where everybody ends up cap wise, who they franchise, who they extend, uh, who gets traded. But I could potentially see them going that route. Although I would still say they would stay on the defensive side of the ball since they went a lot of offense last year and they still have uh DK Metcalf who they gave a ton of money to, and they've got some pretty good receivers and they've been pretty good finding receivers down through the mid to late rounds as well. Well, the final one of the lions and I had the lions going all defense because they need to fix the defense. Although the defense did get better under Aaron Glenn and that team played better down the stretch, almost made the playoffs. I had them taking miles Murphy at six to pair with Aiden Hutchinson. And then at 18, I had them taking uh, Deontay banks, the cornerback out of Maryland. Uh, who you mentioned earlier, who I watched um, a few weeks ago and really liked. So you're getting help on the front with uh, Miles Murphy, the edge rusher out of Clemson, and then Deontay Banks uh, in the secondary. And whatever happens in free agency, obviously, as you know, could change things. But I think on paper, February 16th, as we do the podcast, no free agency agency yet. That would feel like a win if you're Dan Campbell looking ahead to the season. Yeah, you got two starters and starters that are coming on your football team right off the bat. And they have a lot of offensive weapons. Uh, sounds like golf's going to be their quarterback going forward. Um, but they've they they've had to build up that defense. They just said they're playing with a lot of college free agents and and has beens, and they turned it over last year. And I think as they continue to uh, build that defense up with that mentality, the Dan Campbell mentality that they play with, uh, and those guys fit that mentality. Uh, I'm not going to be surprised if Detroit uh, doesn't take over the NFC North next year. So that's a nice little segue to this comment from Michael, who asks, and by the way, if you don't know, Rick's brother, Chris, is in the front office in Detroit, and he asks, do you talk to Chris about the Lions? What advice do you give, and how does that work? Since you guys are obviously close, he's a little younger than you. You admit that he's stronger than you. Um, yeah, he's not as good looking as I am. He's not nearly as good looking. You have much better hair. But what, what's that? What's that like? Like uh, even like when you were in the league, did you guys go dark during the, the like the two weeks prior to the draft, or were you still talking? Would you talk about sort of work related stuff? How does that work? Well, when he was in the media, we actually reversed roles. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, no, we talked all the time on a lot of things. The one thing that we always respected was that line and the integrity of our job. So he would never, and he did a couple of our Viking games when he was with Fox doing the broadcasting. Um, but we knew where that line was, where he respected my responsibilities in my job, and I also respected his uh, responsibilities. We talk about a lot of things, but we never go up to that integrity line where we would cross that with each other, if that makes sense. That now I'm not ever going to ask him, well, who are you taking at 16? <laughs> what would he say? Huh? What would he say? I don't know. I, I have integrity. I would not ask him that. So, but I mean, I you, got, you said you. You guys used to like fight when you were growing up. Would he like tell you to shut up or would he, would he? No, he, I just, no, he, well, there's that, uh, the line of, uh, line of respect. And when he got bigger than me, I stopped fighting him too. <laughs> Look at that. Well, we, we, you know, we'll talk a lot about a lot of different things and just football in general and, and this and that. And, uh, how's mom doing? She's doing great. How's the kids? Everybody's <laughs> doing good. And we still talk a lot of football, but there's no, uh, no secrets that are, that are given away. Right. Uh, and that's that's the uh, integrity that we both respect uh, with each other's jobs that we have to uh, maintain. And that's the integrity you bring to this podcast, Rick. Otherwise, prior to prior to your arrival, this place was a a, a cesspool of <laughs> of negativity and terribleness. I'll just say that. Well, I didn't know that, like, yeah, Debo's chiming in now on the podcast. He's trying to go all in. <laughs> oh, when it's Eagles talk, and when he, he's, a, he's still angry about Quez Watkins, he has some thoughts on the issue. He gets he gets chatty around draft time, too. Um, so there'll, there'll be more of that going forward. All right, that's a wrap for this show. Rick took it pretty easy on me. He likes some picks. He didn't like some picks. I would imagine folks uh, would, agree, would agree with most of what he said. So if you're watching on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. You can follow along uh subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast spotify uh apple Podcasts, and by the way we're going twice a week now so every monday and thursday at 2 p.m eastern time you can watch us live on youtube at nfl on cbs is the channel or just get us on the old podcast feed see you later